Today on Raffi Reviews, the Raffi Reviews Power Rangers Cosmic Fury. Okay, so it's kind of been a long time coming to talk about this show. Um, I won't blame you for not being aware of it, but Power Rangers Cosmic Fury is a 10-episode season of Power Rangers that premiered exclusively on Netflix back in late December. No, sorry, late December. Already messing up. Back in late September. That's when this came out. Um, So what makes this kind of interesting is that Cosmic Theory is... It's a couple things, right? So first of all, it's a sequel to the most recent Power Rangers show, um, Power Rangers Dino Fury, right? Which is from like a year ago. Um, And... Second to last... Yeah, okay. So it is the second and last television series um, produced after Power Rangers was bought by Hasbro. So... um, Sorry, I'm just trying to find my words, and I have the wiki page in front of me right now. So essentially, Cosmic Fury is the last Power Rangers show before the series is going to reboot in 2025. Um... I don't know exactly what the reboot's going to look like. We're going to talk about that later in the podcast. Um, But I wanted to talk about this because I figured I did um, Power Rangers once and always back when that came out. Um, And I really enjoyed that. And I figured, you know, I talked about kind of the send-off to, like, the beginning of Mighty Morph Power Rangers. So maybe I should talk about the very end of, you know this franchise before it reboots um now again i saying that the show is going to reboot and start all over and stuff is like i i take that a lot with a grain of salt and again we'll talk more about that later um but you know i am very invested in this franchise um there are gaps in time where i haven't watched power rangers but like I have Power Rangers like stuff in my house. Um, I, I run a Power Rangers tabletop with a, a couple of friends of mine right now. We just started that quite recently. Um, and, you know, I'm invested in, in, in the franchise. And so, you know, I wanted to check this out. And I will say, and I wouldn't recommend this if you're going into Cosmic Fury, um, I didn't watch any of Dino Fury. You know, there's the show does enough... To let you know, like, okay, here's who these characters are. Here's what they're kind of like. But, you know, characters are going to show up. The uh, the characters in the show are going to be like, oh, wow, uh, Slimer or whatever. You're, you're back. It's cool to see you. And you're and if you're me and you did what I did and you didn't watch the previous show, you're going to be like, I don't know who Slimer or Mushroom or Quinzel Quaddle is. I don't know who these characters are, but apparently they're established characters. Um but at the same time, if you're more of an older fan, there is stuff here um, where you're going to recognize it like I did. So uh, as far as a grade before we get into spoiler territory, um, I want to try and keep this a bit more compact. I always say that. I always say that. Take a, take a, a shot every time I say that in these reviews. Um, but my grade for Power Rangers Cosmic Fury, uh, is up, it's up to you, right? Like, I think if you're a fan of Power Rangers, then yeah, I think you should check it out. If you already watched Dino Fury, then yeah, check it out. But if you are going completely blind, you know, you're not super familiar with Power Rangers, you didn't watch Dino Fury, um, it's really up to you how much you're going to take away from it. The benefit is that it's only 10 episodes, and it's on Netflix, and you can just kind of stream it all, and you could be done with it. And I don't know what the takeaway is going to be. I think as a Power Rangers season, uh, it's, pre- it's, it's very good. You know, it kind of hits all the central points of what I want from a season of Power Rangers. And the fact that it's so short, I think, is a a real benefit to its storytelling and, you know, not really wasting time, I think, getting to the the stuff that matters the most. So, as always, we're going to talk about the cast of the show, we're going to talk about some notes, and we're going to talk about the future and how scary that is. Um, Now, for this, I'm going to be doing a lot of referring to probably other Power Rangers seasons. I'm going to be referring to uh, Power Rangers Once and Always, which was that one, one-off one uh, Netflix special 
that we talked about when that came out. Um, so if you feel a little bit lost, you know, you, I, I totally get it. Um, and, you know, the fact that this came out back in September, you know, I'm very late to talking about it. But again, I, I really wanted to talk about this before the end of the year. And I did have some pretty strong thoughts about this. I even watched this kind of after September anyway. So <clears throat> I didn't have Netflix when this came out, actually. <laughs> I, uh, because Netflix had changed the whole rules with who can use the accounts and everything. But, um, yeah, suffice it to say, uh, this isn't going to be an episode that everyone's going to be into, but if you're here, regardless, uh, I appreciate you listening. So we're going to get into it. Uh, we're going to start with the actors, obviously. And a lot of these people, um, I haven't heard of, which, you know, is kind of par for the course of Power Rangers. Um, a lot of people that are actors on Power Rangers, you know, they have successful career careers, just not obviously successful. Um, you know, a lot of them that I think stick out the most are like, uh, let's see, <clears throat> obviously before his passing, uh, Jason David Frank, who played Tommy Oliver, was an MMA fighter. Um, you have, oh man, what's Adam Park's actor's name? Johnny Young Bosch, right? He's a he's a very celebrated voice actor. He used to play Adam on Power Rangers. Um Oh, man. And then there's Eric's voice actor. Or, sorry, voice actor. There's Eric's actual actor from Time Force. Hold on. Time Force Eric actor. Because I know he's known for stuff. Daniel Southworth. Yeah. Yeah, he voices Virgil in DMC. So, you know, some of these guys might sound familiar. Um, but I, I just say that because one of the things I enjoy about this show is that it's able to pull actors you've never heard of before and, and kind of show off their talents, you know? So getting into it, we have Russell Curry, who plays Zato, who in the previous show in Dino Fury was the Red Ranger of the team. And this season, he's the, oh God, what do they call him? The Zenith Ranger. And you know, Zenith, I think is a word that means like final. But for all intents and purposes, he's, he's kind of like the White Ranger of the team at this point. And... Although he's more of like a champagne white color, I don't know. But um but yeah, Zato's thing is that he's like an alien survivor, um, who kind of had like an Andros role in the first season of this show. Um, but in Cosmic Fury specifically, it's kinda of like he had died and he came back at the end of the last show. So in this show he's on a timetable. He only has so much like magic energy to keep him alive. Um, and his story is pretty integral to this season. He's a like sacrificial character by the end of it. Um, and by the end of it, he ends up becoming an evil, an, uh, an even higher role among these kind of god figures called the Morphin Masters. Um, I really enjoyed Zato. I, I, I got kind of an idea of his personality. He seems pretty like altruistic, um, a very, very much a Superman type of character, which is appropriate because he's a survivor of an alien planet. Um, yeah, no, I, I thought he was good in this. I think his actor does a, a decent job. Um, I don't know. I, I guess it was good to see him have an important role, but not step too much into the, the foreground of the story, right? Because you have this, a large cast of characters in this and you want to make sure everyone kind of gets their dues. And Zato being the main character of the last show, and now being this, you know, sacrificial, um, you know, like a very important character in this season as well, but for different reasons. Um, you don't want him to just be the main guy again. You want to kind of share that role with other people. So I think they juggled that pretty well. Um, again, I like Zato's story in this. I think if you're going to do a story about a ranger... Um, like, uh, actually dying in the show. Uh, this is a very good way of doing it. I really enjoyed it. Um, Hunter Denno plays Amelia. Uh, in Dino Fury, she was the Pink Ranger, and when they get new Ranger powers in Cosmic Fury, she becomes the Red Ranger, um, because Zato is kind of MIA at the beginning of this. Um, so she's chosen to be Red Ranger, and as as a result of that she becomes the leader of the team and like 
it's kind of interesting because, again, I didn't have a lot of the Dino Fury uh, context for this. All I knew is that she was pink, now she's red. And, you know, not watching Dino Fury, but kind of listening to other, what other people had said about it, it kind of felt like she was a pink ranger with a lot of personality and quirks. Um, she ended up being, like, secretly the same alien race as Zato. And, you know, she she had a role to play. She was important and stuff. But, like, the main thing is, like, from what I've heard, it seems like her personality wasn't, like, changed, but kind of shifted a little bit in this. Um, and, again, I think the point I'm trying to get to is that without the Dino Fury context, I only have this version of Amelia to go off of as a character. And I think as a leader, she does a very good job. Um, she's very supportive of all her friends. Uh, you know, she's able to kind of pull everyone together as a red ranger. She does that role pretty well, but I think, you know, with or without the Dino Fury context, um, I don't know if her character benefits from this being a 10 episode season. Um, because she spends so much time being the leader and, and patting everyone on the back and having these pep talks it, it kind of feels like entire scenes come to a halt because she has to do, like, a leader speech, you know? And, you know, th that's a benefit in terms of, like, here see, here, see how good of a leader Amelia is? She can do these hero speeches and, and pull everyone together. But it it left me with this feeling of, like, is leader this character's only, like, aspect, right? And, and I know that's not true because there's a whole other freaking show where she gets to be the Pink Ranger, and have more personality. And in this season in particular, in Cosmic Fury, she has to deal with, like, like now she's the leader. Now her team is stranded on, on an alien world. Now one of her team members is going to die because he's having magic juice in him. <laughs> and now the Blue Ranger of the team, who is her boyfriend, uh, is turned evil and is fighting against them. You know, like, like there's a lot of pressures on her. And not to say she's holding it together too well, but it kind of just, again, it reinforces that we are going leader first and kind of um, character in-depth analysis second. And again, like with Zato, it's like we have to tell a story about this character without making it feel like he is taking too much of the spotlight. And I think with Amelia, the issue is that like, no, she's not taking too much of the spotlight, but what spotlight she is getting is leaning too heavily on her just being the leader type, you know? Um, and it's not to say that I disliked her. It's just I wish we had a bit more of Amelia as a character as a side to her just kind of being the leader type. Like, her her method of leading, I don't think it's unique to her character, you know? Um, but as I mentioned before, the Blue Ranger is uh, Ollie, who's played by Kai Moya. Um, he's the Blue Ranger. <laughs> From what I understand, he was briefly evil in Dino Fury. Um, also, as a character, he was just kind of like a smart jerk in Dino Fury. And then in Cosmic Fury, basically from episode one, he's turned evil and is working with Lord Zed, who is the villain for the season. Um it, it's kind of tough to make one way or the other about it because he's a brainwashed character. It kind of has the like Tommy Oliver problem where it's like, yeah, it's cool that he's an evil ranger and he's fighting his friends and everyone's trying to bring him back on the side of good and all that stuff. But it kind of means less when you know this isn't coming from a personal place. You know, if, if it was one of those things where like he was infected with an evil virus that brought up the worst parts of who he is as a person. And it was, like, less about him, like, ser serving Zed because he wants to, and more about just, like, him thinking he deserves more, you know? Like, if, if the negative traits of his personality were played up, then it, it would feel different than him just, like, flipping a switch and now, I like evil stuff now, <laughs> you know? I think that distinction is small and it's kind of hard to miss, but I think it makes a big difference when you're trying to raise the stakes um, because you have moments where, and I would say these are kind of the best moments with Ollie being evil in this season 
is you have moments where characters don't know if he's evil or not, and he uses that to trick them, right? He, there's a scene where he goes to his own mother, actually, and pretends to still be on the side of good and be healed. And then when he gets information about where the rangers are, he's like, never mind, I'm actually evil. Later, mom. And then he leaves. And it's like, he doesn't hurt her or anything. But in terms of, like, like a Power Rangers scene, it's very, like, like kind of creepy and haunting for him to be like, goodbye, mother. I'm going to go destroy my friends and you can't stop me. Like, it's, it, it's like, um, you know, it's suspenseful. Because it's like, oh, he could have done something, but he didn't. And, like, like you're his mother... And you can't really do anything about it, you know. For as, for as much as you know, your son is going to go become, like, a, a villain, basically. Um, and then there's the thing of, like, towards the end, when the evil juice <laughs> is undone, and Ollie is a good guy again, he tricks Lord Zed into, like, kind of trusting him with something. And then he betrays Lord Zed and the other villains because, haha, I'm actually good again. And that's good, I like that. Um, but again, like, at, at the cost of having the rangers fight, uh, an evil ranger, you lose the opportunity to kind of show more of who Ollie is as a person, because just watching this, I didn't get a huge idea of, I'm like, okay, Ollie fanboys over another blue ranger, okay, Ollie's smart, Ollie is in a relationship with Amelia, it, that's kind of all I got. And by the time he is turned good again... And he gets a morpher and he gets to be the Blue Ranger of the team again. It's like, at the end, like he only gets to be kind of in the final fight and that's it. Which is kind of a bummer. Um, but yeah, that's kind of how I feel with that. We have Tessa Rao, who plays Izzy, who's the Green Ranger of the team. Uh, I, would she, I would say that she probably has the, the biggest... Um, I don't know, I'm trying to think of where to everybody say this. I think if you know Power Rangers at all, and you know anything about Dino Fury, you might remember the scene, because it floated around, and, like, you know, news websites love to talk about this shit, and bad fans like to complain about it, but, like, primarily, Izzy is the first uh, female Green Ranger, and she's the first openly lesbian um, Power Ranger. And there's a scene in Dino Fury, it's, very, it's like an episode one or something, where she turns into the Green Ranger for the first time, and of course, because she's a girl, she has a skirt on her costume, which is tradition in Power Rangers, and she, because she's like a tomboy, athletic, you know, woman, she, tur- she rips the skirt off, so she just has a regular suit that has pants, and like... Uh, again, it's a stupid argument that people had about it. It's a this uh, again as a scene as a concept. It's cool. Power Rangers has always been about uh, diversity and acceptability, and you know different types of people. And traditions have never really been set in stone. Like it's been a couple of years, even a couple. Of sh- it's yeah. Like we haven't we haven't had a Yellow Ranger in every se- every season of the show. Um, we haven't done evil rangers in every scene of the show. We haven't done more than five rangers in every single show. Like, there's really no tradition to a lot of things. Um, even stuff like villains and what the zords kind of look like and how they operate. All that stuff isn't up to tradition. So, <clears throat> that's kind of just me stepping over that talking point. Um, as a character, Izzy spends most of the season worrying about her girlfriend who hitched a ride on their spaceship. Um which is unfortunate. I think Izzy's a fun character. Uh, again, her being athletic and competitive and, you know, a real badass in a fight. Like, that's... Those are all really fun character elements. Um, again, her being openly gay is terrific. I love that kind of representation. Um, you know, it becomes more normalized as we do it. But again, just having her be kind of the worried girlfriend, it's an understandable, like, and realistic standpoint to do with this character. But it does take away from her having unique moments. In, in the same way that, like, Ollie being a villain is kind of cool, but it takes away from the character, like, from his, like, his quirks, his personality. Um, and same with Amelia being a leader. It's kind of like, you add on these details to the characters who have these big personalities, and in a 10-episode season, you lose a little bit of showing that personality off. Okay, and then Chance Perez plays Javi. Uh, Javi is Izzy's brother. He's the Black Ranger. And 
his thing for the season is it, in order for them to get new zords he gets his arm like blasted off like he has to put a, a like a staff into a hole and the explosion is so bad that his arm comes clean off like not that like it becomes like detached like literally the arm disintegrates and you don't see a smoke cut to Javi on the ground his arm's just gone um, and I think, you know, a couple things. I think having our first, I guess, amputee ranger is a pretty big deal, right? That's really cool. Giving, you know, he gets a prosthetic arm and they don't do the thing where like, they don't do the thing where like we give him a robot arm and it's like full of like gadgets and gizmos and rockets. Like, like, no, it's just like a robot arm. He has trouble controlling it in the first couple of episodes that he has it. So we kind of have like this running bit where he's trying to get control of his arm. And like, it, it's an interesting like thing for this character, right? Cause every character in this season has a thing that they're dealing with. And in his case, he's, he's dealing with having this robot arm and like, he is a musician. He plays guitar. So his thing is, he's having trouble like continuing to play guitar now that his arm is busted and it's actually a returning character uh billy cranston who we'll talk about later it's actually him who who helps motivate javi to kind of you know keep trying and not give up on playing guitar like he he'll get the hang of it it'll never be the same but he'll get the hang of it and that's very nice um i think trying to handle like a story thing like this like i don't know why they decided that was the direction to go with Javi. Um, but I don't, I don't think it was a bad direction. I don't think, uh, you know, it, it did his character worse. I think it was kind of cool to see how a show like Power Rangers would handle a topic like amputation and prosthetic arms. And I think, I think it'll go a long way for, again, kind of just more representation in Power Rangers. Something I've always wanted to see the show handle is a handicapped Power Ranger. So I think we're kind of a step closer to that with what happened to Javi. Um, and again, having only 10 episodes to kind of work around with that, I don't think they really waste the time they spend talking about it. Uh, Javi still has his moments where, like, the arm is not even a factor. Like, he has a moment where, like, he's the one that has an idea as far as sneaking into a secret base. Um, you know, he's the one that has, like, really cool fight scenes because his weapon gets to be an axe that, like, is a, a guitar also. That stuff's really cool. Um, I, I, and again, love the idea of a musician Power Ranger. I don't know how we've gotten all these years and we haven't gotten a Power Ranger show about a band, right? That, that would be my pitch. If they, if they were, like, if they came to me and they're, like, pitch us an entirely original Power Ranger show... I'd be like, okay, it's five people that have five, there are, all five of them are musicians, but they're in different, like, musical genres, and them becoming Power Rangers syncs up with them becoming a band that has multiple styles of music. That would be my pitch. Um, but again, Javi is, like, just in concept, I think he he is very event inventive. And it, and it plays to something about Black Rangers that, so I, I recently read through the official Hasbro Power Rangers uh, TTRPG book, right? It's, it's like a tabletop book, or a tabletop game that has like a guidebook. And they kind of split up the Ranger colors by like, like what classes you will be. And when they talk about Black Rangers in this like official tabletop book, they say that the Black Ranger is supposed to be the most like charming and creative and like kind of fun one. And I like the idea of applying that to a musician character like this. So Javi's cool. I, I think his plots are handled very nicely. And he doesn't... It never feels like the arm is taking away from his personality either. Um, again, we don't have a yellow ranger this season. We have a gold ranger. Um, Jordan Fight plays Aeon. Or Ion? Ion, sorry. So in the last show, he was the titular six titular. Why did I say that French? He's the sixth stranger of the last show, and he kind of plays the role of like, like Zane from Power Rangers in Space, where, um, he shows up and it's and like uh Zayto knows him. The two of them are like best friends 
from before their planet exploded. And when he comes in in the last show, he's like the cool new gold ranger. He's so mysterious and awesome and stronger than us. Um, but thankfully, like in this show, he feels just kind of like a regular member of the team, which I really appreciate. Like in, in a show that has to juggle so many, like like what's going on with Amelia and Zato and hey, Billy's still here and Zordon's the, or not sorry, Lord Zed is the bad guy. We're still able to show a character like Ion just being a character and not so much the super special six ranger that we're all kind of still obsessing over. Um, and him being a gold ranger, like his costume, his new suit still matches everyone, but has details that make him a little bit different because he was different to begin with. You know, it's like if everyone else is kind of like red and black or, or black and black or blue and black, his thing is like gold and blue. And I, I like that combination a lot. I'm a booster gold fan. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> um, but Ion, and like, again, the facets of his personality still ring true here. One of the things about him, as far as a character, is that he's a chef, right? He's a restaurant on Earth and everything. Um, but his main driving plot in this is that he's trying to reunite with Zato, right? Because the two of them were best friends. And between Dino Fury and Cosmic Fury, Zato died, like, died and came back. And then at the beginning of Cosmic Fury, Zato is separated from the team. So Ion is just like, you know... I thought I lost my friend the first time. I got him back. We were both Power Rangers. Then I lose him again, but then he comes back. But now he's lost in space, and I'm I'm without him again. Like, he just wants to have his friend and not have to, you know, worry about him. And, and it's also a thing of, like, they both survived a really bad, like, like, their whole planet blew up, you know? So there's kind of something there as far as, like, they bonded over trauma, and they kind of needed each other to get through. So... The fact that Zato keeps getting pulled away from Ion, and now Zato's time on this Earth isn't going to last. Like, it's something hard for Ion to deal with. Um, it's so easy, I think, to tell a story where a character is going to die, and, like, that's the focus, and they're worried about it. But it's it's tough to really capture what it's like to be the best friend of the guy who's going to die. Like, someone who depended on the guy who's going to die. Um and try to have Ion, you know, rise above that and be able to accept it. Um, and I think, again, for a 10-episode season and for Power Rangers, which is trying to handle this kind of topic, um, it's done very well. I don't think it's overdone. I don't think Ion makes any stupid decisions that, you know, like, he doesn't do anything that causes grief for the team because he thinks it's helping Zato. He's not like an idiot. He's just sad. And I think... It the show handles him being sad about it in a way that's, you know, realistic and you feel bad for the guy. Um, and again, it, it helps that his whole, like, um, his whole aspect of being a chef and being open to giving people second chances. Like, there's a thing in this where he recruits two former villains to come, like, help the, the hero team. Like, all of that is done very well. Um, I like Ion a lot. And, uh, yeah, I, I would try the alien food that he makes. <laughs> um, then we have jo oh, Jacqueline Joe, who plays Fern. So, from what I understand, in Dino Fury, Fern was a side character who became Izzy's girlfriend. Again, we're, we're very much, like, normalizing this gay relationship. Um, and in this, she sneaks along on the spaceship not on purpose she's just like there to help and then this the ship has to teleport and they kind of forget that she had been on the ship so she ends up with the power rangers in space um and she's kind of like she wants to help she wants to be an active participant this is like a thing where like her girlfriend's a power ranger so it's like i know i'm not a power ranger but i want to help in any way i can because i don't want you to get hurt um and it's, like, around every corner she tries to help, and Izzy is, like, shooting her down because she doesn't want her to get involved with anything dangerous. Eventually, you know, halfway through the season, they get into a situation where Fern has to get involved. She goes out into the field, and she uses a morpher. And interestingly, she becomes an orange Power Ranger. Now, we've had kind of a half-white, half-orange Ranger in SBD, we had another Orange Ranger in SBD that was imaginary. Like, every time we've gotten Orange Rangers, it's been with, like, an asterisk. Like, 
technically not real, technically not in canon, technically half a White Ranger. Like, we've never just gotten a full-on dedicated Orange Ranger in continuity. So it was kind of like, it's weird, right? Because it felt like, oh, we only have 10 episodes left, and then this whole thing is getting rebooted. So we might not get a chance to make a mainline, like, canon Orange Ranger. We've done Violet, we've done, you know, the six colors from MMPR, we've done white, black, gold, um, you know, silver, we've done titanium, quantum, we've, we've, we've made the color, we've made the color zenith a thing, let's make a white ranger, or sorry, an orange ranger, like, legitimate, which is fine, and it's like, there's a couple things with this season where it kind of feels like, oh, well, we won't get the chance to do this again, so we should do this here and now, you know, so as far as that kind of perspective, it's, like, cool and fine. I, I have no problem with the idea of an orange ranger. It's, like, I don't know. I don't think it's a question of why either. Um, but it's interesting, I guess. You know, it's it's kind of like, it, it. I will say it does feel like a thing where we only did it because it's our only chance to do it before we all lose our jobs writing for the show or whatever. <laughs> like, like, for all intents and purposes, like, like Fern could have been the Yellow Ranger of this team. Um, it was missing a Pink Ranger. She, she could have been pink. She could have been purple. But she just happened to be orange. And it's, like, not really important to anything other than the meta reason. That is, you know, we've never done that before. Like, legitimately. Um, but again, as a character, I like Fern a lot. She's a go-getter. She's proactive. She wants to help even when it's something boring, like like digging around for machine parts and stuff. Um, and again, I get that Izzy's thing is that she's protective of her and she doesn't want Fern to get hurt. But like, I don't know, dude. Like in the last show, the two of them were like athletic rivals. So it's like, I'm not saying Izzy can't have a flaw. I'm just saying it gets a little annoying like over, over time. Um, but as a ranger... Fern's cool. I think her weapon is like a mace that detaches into like a flail. That's kind of fun. Um, I do like, though, that her powers are related to, I guess, like a side character, like an assistant to the ranger team. And I think that's kind of a, a fun connection to build. Um, I guess we can, we can jump over to that now. Uh, Josephine Davidson voices Solon. So Solon is... She's like if a... If a human-sized dinosaur was, like, your, uh, your, I don't know, assistant, right? Like, if you had a, a desk lady that was a human-sized dinosaur. <laughs> um, but Solon is a, is a female dinosaur. I think she, she's related to the whole alien species that Zato belongs to. I think she's sort of like a caretaker for Zato, um... But yeah, she's just like a an assistant to the team. She plays a role that like Alpha plays in Mighty Morphin. Um, but she's good, right? I think the the vocal performance is good. She has like a very like kind of den mothery. I don't know. That makes her sound kind of old. <laughs> she she has like almost like cool aunt energy. How about that? She's cool aunt energy. She's super supportive. Um, again, as far as like assistant characters go, she's very like charming and it's and it's funny too because it's it's a juxtaposition of she looks like a cybernetic dinosaur but she's just like a sweet lady <laughs> you know she's just a nice lady almost like a like a kind female teacher you had when when you were a kid you know um as far as side characters go assistants go i, I really think she's up there she's really like she's got funny bits she's got very supportive bits she's just like a very calming presence to be around this team despite looking like Jurassic Park. <laughs> um, and again, like her being captured is the reason Fern becomes a Power Ranger. And Fern's like dinosaur-based powers are inspired by the dinosaur that Solon is, like, is. Like, Solon is a dinosaur, from what I understand. I gotta see if her fuck, if she's on the... Uh... No, there's nothing. There's nothing about Solon here. Oh, here, here we go. Let's do that. I just want to make sure. 
because I like Solon. I don't want to like misinterpret here. Um, where are you, Solon? Okay, Solon is a Solonosaurus and a friend of Zeto who was given cybernetic implants after being seriously wounded in a battle against. Okay. Okay, so yeah, she's she's a dinosaur that was saved by Zato and made into a cyborg dinosaur. <laughs> but she's just a caretaker. She's not like a weapon of mass destruction. She should be. A cybernetic dinosaur should be a weapon, honestly, right? And that's just the government speaking through me. But whatever. Um, she's good in this. I, I think the equivalent of her and Fern would be like if in order to make Tommy into a Power Ranger, they had to turn part of Alpha into a Morpher, which like... That might be a really cool idea in the future. I got to put a pin in that. <laughs> I, I run a tabletop now. I got to make those ideas. Um, you know, I got I to gotta solidify those ideas. So a returning character, our, our villain for the season, is Lord Zed, who's uh, voiced by Fred Tadaskior. Uh I don't think he voiced Lord Zed previously. Let's see. In Dino Fury, he was voiced by Andrew Lang. Lang? Lang? Lang. Andrew Lang. Um, and in this, it's Fred Tadascore. I don't know if... I don't remember Lord Zed's original voice actor. Let me look at that real quick. Um, okay, so originally Lord Zed was performed by Ed Neal. Uh, then Mark Ginther... Oh, but that was, like, physical performance. Okay, so Lord Zed originally in, like, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers was voiced by Robert Axelrod. That's such a cool name. Then Andrew Lang in Dino Fury. And now Fred Tadaskior. Okay. Um, <clears throat> I, I think the voice was pretty good, right, for Lord Zed. Uh, he, he sounded enough like the original voice for Lord Zed. And it, it, if I didn't know it was a different voice actor... I probably would just think it's the same one from, like, from 95, you know? Um, but Lord Zed, again, he's a, a villain from Mighty Morphin Power Rangers who was revived for Dino Fury and is now the villain of Cosmic Fury. And I think I think they haven't really missed a beat with him, you know? Because when Lord Zed was first introduced in Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, he was way more of a, like, straightforward villain. He was very comedic. Parents complained, and so he became more comedic. And I think the, I think the show strikes a really good balance of portraying Zed as a legitimate villain and sort of a comical bad guy. Like you can laugh at Zed, but at the same time you can be like, oh, this dude is like dangerous though. If he had the power to, he would destroy everything, basically. Um and he gives Zed they give Zed this interesting like character thing in this where like and I don't know. I can't, like, look back at all of history and, and see if this is something that carries through, but, like, they make it a point for Zed to be, like, you know, survival is the most important thing. If you survive, that means you're strong. That means you outlive everyone else. You know, that's above all else is survival because that means power. So it's very interesting because that's not a thing that, the, that Zed's ever said or believed in before. Like, he obviously admired power. He wanted power in other shows, but in this specifically, they talk about him as a survivor. Um, I think that's really cool because they, you know, again, expanded universe stuff, the, the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers comic books and everything. Like, they give Zed an actual backstory in the comics. And there is something to be said about him having a rivalry with Zordon. And again, just like above all else, focusing on surviving and outlasting his enemies. I think that's an interesting perspective to have on Zed. Um, and again, it doesn't come at the cost of being able to laugh. You know, he's he's hanging out with some villains. There's one villain in this. I didn't list her down, but she's sort of like a Gen Z monster who's like taking selfies and live streaming and stuff. And she says stuff like fam and lit and like 100 and stuff. And, um, you know, we're Audi, you know, bye, <laughs> bye, five E's like that character, and, like, it might be annoying to some people. I don't have fucking Gen Z blockers on. I don't give a shit. I think it's funny. Fam. <laughs> I'm not taking nail on this one. But, like, she she's around Zed for a lot of this show. And Zed is just like, oh, I feel so old around this this annoying child. 
I don't know what she's talking about. I'm, I'm, I'm very much out of the lingo here. Like, it's, it's funny. It's funny having Zed, a character who already hated teenagers, have to yet again deal with a teenager, but, like, in modern times, right? And that's fun, you, you know? Um, and it's interesting, too, because, like, there isn't any mention or parallel between Lord Zed coming back in this show and Rita Repulsa coming back as a robot in Once and Always. There's really no connection there, which is interesting to me. Um, I think it's a missed opportunity to not talk about that more often, especially because if we're talking about, like, MMPR villains, Goldar came back, I think, in uh, uh, Beast Morphers? So, or, or actually, maybe it was... It was either in Beast Morphers or in Ninja Steel. Um, Goldar had come back. And it's like, how many of these fucking MMPR villains... I mean, not anymore, because we're rebooting, but it's like, if we didn't reboot, was it going to be like, and now Scorpina's back, and Finster's back, and Babu and Squad are back, and they're fucking ripped. <laughs> you know? Um... But yeah, I don't think there was, you know, there wasn't too much nostalgia stuff, like nostalgia baiting with, with Lord Zed. He talks about Zordon a little bit. Um, Zordon kind of appears in this in an interesting way. Um, I mean, I could just say so. Like, basically, there's a scene where Zato passes on into the morphing grid, which is the force, but for Power Rangers. And Ion briefly goes into the grid and talks to Zato, but it's not Zato. It is Zordon with the image of Zato. Like, it's Zato, but it's Zordon talking through him, basically. It's a whole thing. Um, but it basically set, it basically makes this thing of, like, Zordon... He Zordon had died in Power Rangers in space, but no, actually, he's just in the morphing grid, and everyone just thinks he's dead. We'll talk about that later. Um, but yeah, Lord Zed is, is good in this. He's a good villain. I, I like... Man... If you were going to reboot the series and you weren't going to care about, like, the repercussions of anything, at the end of this, Zordon becomes a Morphin Master. He becomes, like, a, a a Power Rangers god, basically. And he's told, like, you either give up the power or the whole universe gets destroyed. So he's like, alright, fine. He gives up the power. The Rangers win. Zordon's stuck on a planet. They don't even kill Zordon. They put him on, like, a nightmare planet. So he thinks that he won, but he didn't. Which is like, again, are we rebooting? Because you didn't even bother to kill Zordon. So, not Zordon, sorry. Are we rebooting because you didn't even bother to kill Lord Zed? I, I just don't get that. Like, the show never had a problem with destroying the villains before. Especially in this season where they gunned down uh, a squid woman villain and her squid girl daughter, who's a monster as well. Like, just just kill Zed. You're not going to use him again or you're rebooting, you know? But, like, I I had this thought in my mind, and I, man, I really wish they did it. I thought what they were going to do is, in order to rid, in order to, to remove Lord Zed from the Morphin Grid and stop the bad guys from destroying all good in the universe, they would need to essentially, like, break the Morphin Grid, you know? Like, because the, the, the ending of this is that the bad guys have, like, an evil bomb that will destroy everything that isn't evil. And by Zed giving up his his god powers, the bomb doesn't work. And so, like, Zed gets to live on a nightmare planet, and everyone goes home happy, and they still have Power Ranger powers and stuff. But I legitimately thought, like, if you're gonna reboot, and it doesn't fucking matter, just have it be that, like, okay, we're to, in order to stop the bomb that's gonna destroy all good... We destroy Zed, he loses his god powers, the Morphin Grid breaks, but the evil bomb doesn't go off. So the heroes still win, the bad guys still lose, but there are no Power Rangers anymore. That way, if you wanted to reboot, you could justify a fresh start without necessarily tossing everything else out, you know? You could be like, okay, there's no Power Rangers, but there used to be, and they used to have powers, but now they don't. Right? I don't know. Again, that's this came from my head. Hasbro, if you're interested, there's your, your split timeline. <laughs> um, and then the last person we're going to talk about is David Yost, who has come back to play Billy Cranston. 
the original Blue Ranger from MMPR. He's back. Um, he is an awkward actor, <laughs> but I love him. Uh, he's, he's good. He's good in this. It's kind of tough to talk about him as an actor when his character of Billy is supposed to be, you know, the nerd. You know, the straightforward, you know, kind of autistic-coded nerd character, you know? But um, I love Billy. Billy's my favorite uh, original MMPR ranger. Um, I think he was one of the few rangers that really stuck out and had, like, a growth and a character arc in my mind. Like, just his journey from the original show to the end of Zio, you know, it, it left a big impression. He was definitely, he was definitely, whenever I played Power Rangers with my cousins, I was the blue one because of Billy. Um, and I know that this is, you know, it's big, it's big to have him be in this and in Once and Always. Um, because I know that David Yost had a, like, he had a tough time being on the show for so long because of like, uh, homophobic stuff, you know, like, a lot of, it was the 90s, so a lot of the crew members just, like, were really mean to him for being gay, you know, and now he gets to come back, and, and that's a way more accepted thing now, and it's, it's nice, you know, it doesn't make up for all the, you know, grief he had to deal with back then, but, um, but it's nice that he gets to come back to the show and, and be a part of it and be accepted by the fans in a big way, too. I would have really appreciated it. Maybe, maybe this is more like, maybe this is too much pandering or too much leaning towards the representation thing. But I would have liked it if, if Billy got a moment with Izzy, right? Because you have, you know, the oldest actor, the oldest main character actor in this show who is gay. And you have the newest, like, gay power intro on the show. It would have been nice if they had some sort of team-up moment or... Just a brief interaction, because I don't think Billy as a character is gay, it's just, it's David Yost, but just to have a brief interaction where, like, you're watching and and you're like, oh, I kind of get what this is actually about, you know? Um, But no, he's good in this, and, you know, to his credit, he he invents morphers, so he's still got, he's still got that Billy Cranston brain. I mean, he went from building flying cars to building entire zords, so he can make all the ranger powers he wants, honestly. The thing with Billy that complicates it for me is, so once and always, again, I talk about that a lot. If you want, you can go watch that review. I'm a big, I'm, I'm happy with how the review came out. Um, but the thing with once and always is that for me, it felt like a special about accepting death. And it felt by the end of that, Billy was supposed to accept the death of Zordon. Because the beginning, the beginning of once and always Billy is trying to bring Zordon back. And it's like, it's been so long. There was really no inciting incident to, like, Billy wanting Zordon to come back. You kind of just have to believe he's always wanted Zordon to come back since, like, he was destroyed back in, like, 2000. And you're just supposed to, like, assume that. And he tries to bring Zordon back, and it brings Rita back, and Rita goes and kills Trini whose actress had been dead since 2001 anyway. Um, and the the whole thing with Once and Always is that it's a memorial for Trini's actress, as well as Jason David Frank. And in Once and Always, they introduce Min, who's the daughter of Trini, who becomes the new Yellow Ranger. And it's also about how Min has to accept that her mom, that her mom is dead and, and learn to accept that and not give in to the rage of it. So the whole thing... The whole thing with Once and Always is that it's in memoriam. It's about loss and like acceptance. And it's paralleled between the newest character in the show, which is Trini's daughter, and one of the original Rangers, which is Billy, having to accept that Zordon is gone. And I thought as a story, even with some missing kind of context to things, it was a really good story to tell. Like... Like, yes, Min has to accept that her that her mom is dead and, and, you know, carry on the legacy of her mother, of the original Yellow Ranger. But also, you don't get to be in your late 40s and say, I want to bring that floating head back to life <laughs> without there being repercussions. You have to accept that he's gone. Um, and I like that a lot. The issue 
because because here's the thing too right because i went into this show without any like big spoilers going into the show i was like oh it's really cool that billy is helping out the cosmic fury rangers because obviously he's also mentoring the new yellow ranger of mmpr trini's daughter and like it's like his experience in once and always kind of led to him taking on a mentor role for this team that's cool. He's still a better mentor than Tommy ever was. Sorry. But where I was thrown for a fucking loop, like this this legit like pissed me off. At the end of Cosmic Fury, Billy's having a conversation with Ion. And Ion mentions like, oh, I met this guy in the Morphin Grid who looked like Zato, but he wasn't Zato. And he said, uh let the power be with you or something. May the power protect you. And Billy is like, oh, that's what Zordon used to say. Oh, Zordon must be in the morphing grid. And that's like kind of the last bit we get from Billy in Cosmic Fury. And it's like, like, okay, hold on. So, because I don't care that they did that. I don't care that Billy is like, Oh, Zordon is alive, and he's in the he's in the Morphin Grid, and you know maybe I can find him. I don't mind that that's the direction they wanted to go with Billy, but if you're gonna do that, you have to set Cosmic Fury before Once and Always, because Once and Always came out first, as I keep saying. But like the thing was, in Once and Always, there was really no in like reason, inciting incident, or trigger explain to us as to why Billy wanted to bring Zordon back. But if this is first, if Cosmic Fury gets to be first before Once and Always, then you have your trigger. Like, then it's like, oh, Billy learns that Zordon is still alive in some way. Oh, so now he has a reason to try and bring him back in Once and Always. And, you know, even like a thing of like, in Cosmic Fury, you briefly see the Yellow Ranger behind Billy, but you don't know who's under the mask. So it doesn't have to be the new girl, Min. It could have been Trini in that circumstance. Yeah, that whole thing is is kind of confusing, and it's like, I don't know, man. It's a reboot, you know? If you're going to do a reboot, you, you can't, like, set up stuff later, you know? For, for this to end, and it's not even like Billy is like, oh, Zordon's still alive somewhere. Good. I think I'll leave it at that. It's like, he's still alive. Like, like Billy is kind of portrayed as, like, this inspires him. This gives him, like, some sort of... Re- like, you could believe after this he's going to go look for Zordon in the Morphin Grid, however that works. But it's like, you're rebooting the series. We know Billy's not going to fucking find him. Why even set that up? You know? And if you're going to do it, at least have him be like, maybe he's alive, maybe he isn't. That's not up for us to tell. And then it's like, okay, good. Bo tied up. Billy isn't going to wonder about Zordon anymore. But now, because Once and Always is before Cosmic Fury, the last bit we get about Billy, like the original Blue Ranger from the beginning of the show, is that he's still interested in reviving Zordon. And because of this reboot, he never will. And isn't that fucking sad? (laughs) Um, But again, that's... That's kind of my main issue with Cosmic Fury. The fact that it's the last one before we do a reboot. Like, yes, it's a it's a, a fresh take on the franchise. It is, you know, a 10-episode thing with a rotating team. It has, you know, a lot of rangers that come in for an episode as, like, a guest character, and then they jump out. It's a fresh take. It's it's cool. It's interesting. It, it you know, there are aspects of it that are like, yeah, no, this feels deserving of being the last show before we reboot. But there's so many other things where it's like, this doesn't feel finite. This doesn't feel like a, a, like maybe a send-off to these characters, but it doesn't feel like a send-off to any sort of era or any sort of previous way of doing it. Like, a, like this is the first Power Rangers show where the costumes are completely original, where the footage is completely original. They're using, like, Zord, like Zord designs and stuff from the Super Sentai, but they're not borrowing costumes, they're not borrowing, like, you know, action scenes. A lot of this show is originally produced, and, and, and with Power Rangers, that's not usually the case. 
And we have to kind of assume that when we get this reboot, that's what Power Rangers is going to be. It's going to be original stuff without borrowing from the Super Sentai, which they've been doing forever. But it doesn't feel like we're doing that, you know? Like, like what I'm saying is if you showed this season to somebody and you asked them, so do you think they're going to do a show just like this afterwards? They'd probably say yes. They probably wouldn't have any idea that this is the last one before a reboot, you know? And... You know, I can say all that, and maybe the reboot will be very much like this. And it's going to be hard to tell, and it's going to be like, oh, it's like the Private Tech reboot never even happened. But again, just knowing what we know, and knowing what we don't know, or not knowing what we don't know, bleh, it just doesn't feel like a send-off, you know? Um, and now that kind of brings us into the future of this, you know? Allegedly, Power Rangers is going to be rebooted. Um, again, the show... Doesn't feel like that's going to happen. <laughs> uh, and also, like, the thing is, Power Rangers, we've kind of been here, like, a few times before. You know, at the end of Power Rangers... Power Rangers like, okay, so in terms of what shows Power Rangers were supposed to be the last ones, Power Rangers in Space was supposed to be the last Power Rangers show. It was supposed to be the ending of what Mighty Morphin started. And then it wasn't. <laughs> They did Lost Galaxy right after, and it directly connected to Power Rangers in Space. And then, when Disney was acquiring Power Rangers, before they would make their first one in, like, New Zealand, I think, um, you had Wild Force. Wild Force was the last Power Rangers. It was the end of Power Rangers before Disney would move it over to New Zealand with Ninja Storm. But, but but Wild Force was the last one. It was the end of the Power Rangers, for all we know. And then, <laughs> then Disney had it for a couple of years, and then it, it ran its course, and it was like, okay, you get one more. And they did um, Power Rangers RPM. Like, again, a very celebrated season, a much darker season in terms of Power Rangers shows. It was a very end-of-the-world kind of uh, plot for that show. And, again, they took a lot of chances, they did some things that they probably wouldn't do in other Power Rangers shows. And they did it all with the pretext of, like, this is our last show, guys. Like, RPM is the last show. That's why it's at the end of the timeline. It's the most, like, dire of circumstances. That's what we're doing. We're, we're going hard and serious. And it's the last Power Rangers. And then it wasn't. Because Nickelodeon did Power Rangers Samurai. <laughs> which is, like, the complete opposite of RPM. And now we're here. Now we're here. It's the last Power Rangers show before we reboot, right? The last one. We're going to do things we never did before. We're going to take all these chances and go in all these directions. And you're not going to see it fucking coming because it's the last show. And um, and that's really big and special. But it's not. And we're not really treating it that way. And also, we're just kind of rebooting. So whatever. Like, how how genuine can I take the things that are being said? Like, is it going to be a reboot just because... I don't know, you're probably going to do a lot of your shooting in, like, Scotland from now on, or because the suits are original, you know, like, if you're still going to do Zords, and there's still going to be dudes in colorful costumes, and if you're still going to do, like, nostalgia baiting, which I know you're going to do, right, like, like, oh yeah, we're rebooting the show, um, but everyone kind of looks like the Mighty Morphin designs, <laughs> or like, we're rebooting the show, but we're we're totally using like Jason and Billy and Kimberly, and it's like the new versions of them. Like I don't I don't buy I don't buy it. Like that's that's the suffix here. You tell me Power Rangers is being rebooted, I don't buy it, I don't believe it. And I think even if they took that step and they're like, no, hard reboot, back to Angel Grove, back to, you know, Jason and Kimberly and Billy and Zach and Trini, back to those characters. Just like the fucking 2017 movie that died in the water. We're doing a hard reboot to that. Even if you did that and you said everything prior to this doesn't count anymore. That's the old Power Rangers universe. It doesn't count anymore. I know for a fucking fact they would do an episode where fucking Billy and Zack from Once and Always. From the pre from original Billy and Zack would come through a portal and be like, whoa. It's like our universe, but younger. Like... No, it's, 
even the prospect of a reboot, it is too juicy to connect it back to the series. Because that's the thing, too. Part of what makes Power Rangers so awesome is that it's always part of this long legacy of shows. Like, every person you talk to who knows about Power Rangers, if you if they have any memory of watching it, they're going to have a different experience, right? I, I asked this question to the my friends that I play the tabletop with, and, and one of them is like, oh, I think the Power Rangers, like, drove cars, and they had, like, car suits. Like, okay, that's Turbo. And I have another friend who was like, uh, when I watched Power Rangers, they were, like, time travelers or something. And it's like, okay, that's Time Force. But no matter... Like, what, like, what era you're growing up in, you know, however you see the Power Rangers, that show is connected to everything else from that, like, that franchise. You know? It's, it's the same reason you could reboot James Bond, but people will still talk about the older James Bond movies. It's, it does, it means fucking diddly squat when the Flash movie is like, oh yeah, here's three Batman, by the way. Like, you're not allowed to forget anything <laughs> when it comes to... Like, these mass media franchises. Fucking Bumblebee was a movie that acted as a prequel to to Michael Bay's Transformers movies. And when you see the Autobots on Cybertron in Bumblebee, they have their 1980s, like, toy line designs. Because you remember that's what they looked like in the 80s. You can't reboot. Even... Even the fucking 2017 Power Rangers movie couldn't, couldn't get away <laughs> from, you know, like, even, like, nodding towards the original canon. Because in the 2017 movie, maybe you blinked and you missed it, but J.C. David Frank and, um, what's her fucking name? The actress that plays Kimberly. Um, I don't, I don't want to look it up. Anna something? <laughs> I'm sorry. I grew up within space, so Kimberly was not my first crush. But, like, the actors for Tommy and Kimberly show up in the 2017 movie. And, yeah, that's just a cheeky little reference. But it's like, no, dude. This franchise knows why people keep coming back to it. It knows what the people like. You know, you look at their fucking tabletop game, their fighting games... You look at their collectibles, you look at their comic books, and it's all Mighty Morphin stuff. It's And it's mainly that and then the stuff after. But the point is that it's all still there. I don't believe Hasbro's going to do this full reboot because I don't think they're going to drop the comics, the tabletop, the toy lines. They're not just going to forget all that previous shit. And people are going to buy into enough of that shit that they're going to sit there and they're going to go, okay, so maybe it's not a reboot anymore. <laughs> you know? And again, like, like, Cosmic Fury had the chance to be like, okay, this team doesn't have a Yellow Ranger. Hey, we just set up a new Yellow Ranger in Once and Always, and it's Trini's daughter. Wouldn't it be cool if she got to be the Yellow Ranger on this new team? And, and that spun my mind into like, why would you even set up a new Yellow Ranger? And have it be Trini's daughter if you weren't going to go forward, you know? Like, I get putting a, a hat on a lamp or whatever whatever that expression is. I get the idea of, like, future-proofing and being like, no, see, like, even if, like, like the, the bit at the end of The Dark Knight Rises where it's like, Batman's gone, but, like, this new guy can be Batman. And we're not, we're not going to show his adventures. You'll just know in your heart Gotham will have a Batman again. You can't really do that with Power Rangers because people want to see Min come back and be the Yellow Ranger. I, I know when I saw that, I was like, oh, fuck, yeah, dude. Have Min be the Yellow Ranger and then just do a show where she builds a new roster, a new like team of young people. Like, maybe that's your reboot, right? It's Min, new Yellow Ranger, and new um, a new Mighty Morphin cast, you know? I don't know, dude. It's, like, not clear enough to me what the plan is going forward with Power Rangers. And I guess I just have to sit and wait to see what that is. And it sucks that, like, this review had to turn into that. But again, it's the last one before this big reboot. So, you know, people are going to talk about it. Um, 
But I think if you look at this as its own thing, not as like an ending to Power Rangers and stuff, this is a 10-episode show, uh, you'll have fun. <laughs> I, I got angry because I'm a fan, but like, you'll have fun. The show's fun, the characters are kind of fun. Not kind of fun, the characters are fun. Um, it's a good time. I, I, I also think that like, if you are someone in your 30s or 40s, or 20s, or whatever. if you're someone who's older, and you grew up with Power Rangers, and you have kids, right, and you want to get them into Power Rangers, but, like, you know, they're adverse to kind of the older stuff, you could probably start with, with Dino Fury and Cosmic Fury, and without them asking too many questions, you know, and then you can go back, and you could be like, here's Mighty Morphin, here's Zeo, um, you know, we're skipping Operation Overdrive, here's... <laughs> here's rpm like you can do stuff like that i think i think the fact that it's 10 episodes makes it a very easy to digest season of the show i think the one before was like 20 or 30 but still i do hope whatever pattern just ends up being they follow this model just put on netflix make it 10 to 16 episodes and you're good um and again having it be an all new cast of characters means it won't cost anyone's character or personality to be lost in that shuffle so but um yeah that those are my thoughts about power just cosmic theory again i know i didn't need to do this it's been months since this came out um but i wanted to talk about it uh, as far as the rest of the year goes we're only going to talk about i think what if which comes out in december so that'll be fun but um yeah i might do a separate recording where i talk about stuff i've been writing i actually have published like two books this year so that would mean I have four books in total. Um, so I talk about those, talk about my, my ideas for what I'm going to do with those and, you know, how writing is going in general. But um, I hope you guys enjoyed your Thanksgiving. I hope Christmas is good for you. I know it's, it's, a, it's not an easy time of the year, especially when you're, when you're down about something or other. But um, just know that you are never alone, that you are loved, you have family, and even if the holidays is like, you know, stress, stressing you out with money and snow and, you know, trying to, you know, survive being busy during the holidays. It's very tough for me. I'll, I'll admit that. Um, you, you should know that you are loved and supported and that there are people that care about you who will always listen to you when, when you are feeling down or weak or insecure about something. So, you know, if the holidays are tough for you, make sure you reach out to the people that care about you. And uh, as always, I'll talk to you guys next time. Bye-bye.